You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, powered by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce and regional leader in higher education, Mount Wachusett Community College. The business world is more competitive than ever, and running a business has never been more challenging. The North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce is here to help with trusted resources, a strong business network, and a support system to keep your business and North Central Massachusetts moving forward. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon and Kat Deal from the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce as we continue our On the Road series with our first podcast that we've ever done in the back of an ambulance. Surprisingly, it's not from our walk on the rail trail. No, we actually escaped that unscathed. But Kat, who are we with today? So today we're joined by Rob Collette. He's the owner, EMT, and instructor of Cole Bro First Aid Safety Training. And I'm not going to lie, it is pretty cool being in back of the ambulance today. Even though we're not kind of on the road, we're in the parking lot of the chamber. It's an amazing setting for us. Like, we just get to visit the coolest places. Rob, thanks so much for letting us invade the ambulance. Yeah, you're welcome. It's always a pleasure to have people back here on uh, pleasant circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And I will say, this is my second time in the back of an ambulance. First time um, does involve a snowmobile in New Hampshire, but that's another story for another day. <laughs> yeah. So, Rob, tell us a little bit about your background as a firefighter and an EMT. Yes. Well, I started in you know, high school. A couple of my friends said it was a kind of cool thing to do. And then once you try it, you kind of get hooked. <laughs> you know, I get tattoos, everything. <laughs> Um, and eventually I became uh, an EMT on OCAM Fire Department, and that's actually where this ambulance came from. So I would actually work on patients, and I've done successful CPR on the back of this. This is really what, what drove me into teaching. Well, how long were you a firefighter at EMT for? Total of 20 years. That's a long time to, to be dedicated to something like that in the service of others. It is, but it, there's, there's, a, there's a reward to that. I mean, there's a sacrifice, but there's also reward, and you just got to accept the reward as being more beneficial. And so you're able to parlay that career now into what you're doing now, and you mentioned that this is actually the ambulance you worked out of. Can you tell us a little bit about what it's like now running your own company from the ambulance where you used to work as an EMT saving lives every day? Well, it gives me that added, added comfort is I you know, spend a lot of time in this truck, so now taking it you know, out on the road and, and taking those experiences that I've had and bringing them to people to help them help them learn, it's, it just makes it all that much rewarding because I have the experiences. They're, they're, you know, they're right here. And you know, when people are in the back, it's just like, yeah, this is where I sat. This is where I sat. And this is what I've seen. So people can ask me questions. You know, it's, I'm not just reading a book. Oh, this is how you do CPR. You do this, this. I say, this is what we actually do. So what you do at your house before the ambulance gets there, and this is what we do in here. So what you're doing is step one, we're actually step two in saving a life. And do you think having that connection helps people to understand how important that early intervention is before the ambulance gets there? Yes, it certainly does. And I like to promote the American Red Cross basically because they, they do all the studies and everything for this. And they really kind of realize that. And like, what you used to always hear about is like, I gotta do compressions and breaths. And that would scare a lot of the people at that first stage. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to do breath. So I just say, no, you just do whatever, whatever you can do. You keep them alive. We'll bring more equipment and then we'll take over. And giving them that comfort level that as long as 
they just do something. They just start doing hands-only CPR, compressions-only CPR, or you, you see it a lot in, in, uh, in the media now, just push hard and fast in the center of the dress. And even before that became a message, I actually seen that work. So I can tell the stories of one of the cases that got me into this was actually a guy who was pushing hard and fast in the center of his wife's dress. He was pushing her against the wall. He missed the part about putting her on the floor, but he was pushing <laughs> her against the wall. And then I was the first responder to walk in there. I said, no, oh, we should get her to the floor. It'd be even better. And uh, she was able to walk out of the hospital the next day as a success. Wow. So just, you know, these little things that just anything you can do is going to help save the loved one. Yeah. And so all of that, you know, the idea that there's stuff that you can do is stuff that you actually teach. Yeah. So I'm just curious, what was there an impetus? Was there a moment that you were like, firefighter EMT, I'm going to stop that. But what I really want to do is I really want to help people in that preventative, in that step one. Was there something that was the catalyst for that? The catalyst really for me was actually that, that particular case is when we got the case study for that. And she was only in her, in her 30s, mid-30s or something. And, you know, we get the report. Because we don't work as an EMT. You get the, the, some of the case study back. And they said, well, she didn't have anything wrong. She just had a very serious panic attack. And because the quick response of, you know, of 911 telling the husband, you know a CPR. No, we'll just push hard and fast to the center of the chest. And EMTs are on their way. Him doing that. And then me getting in and then getting the CPR a little bit better. And then... A paramedic's coming and doing a little bit better. She was able to get up and walk out with really no residual effect. She's not on any medication. She didn't have anything wrong. She could have just died from a simple incident, yeah, a preventable incident. But but just learning that, I was like, wow. It's just like I didn't realize I had that big of a part of it until you get the backstory. And it's just like, yeah, this was a normally healthy person that just had a bad day, <laughs> and in quick response from a number of people, MG was walked out. And, and survive. So it's like, man, I got to spread this word. Yeah. And so you mentioned this being kind of really the moment that really made you want to start your own business and start teaching people this way. But did you ever see yourself becoming an entrepreneur? And, and what was it like to turn CPR lessons into a business? Uh, I actually had a help from a, a good friend of mine uh, who started a, a CPR business uh, basically because she was a dental hygienist and, and uh, they needed some training in their office. And so she said, well, I'll learn it and I'll teach my office. She kind of got hooked on it. So when we were working together in this ambulance, she was you know, in from town. She, you know, she brought me on as an assistant and I was just like, well, I was always a shy person, but I got this passion. It's like, boom, it's easy to come out of your show when you're confident and, and you, you have that really feeling about it. So it's like, I'm just going to keep this going. Unfortunately, yeah, she lost a battle with cancer, but I said, I'm going to keep this going. Mm-hmm. So I've done everything. Like she used to do volunteering at the, at the library. So I would bring my ambulance up there still, and I'd do a free class at our library like in her name. That's amazing. Uh, oh. So you're really able to kind of help her memory live on with the work that you do every day and, and the volunteerism that you do. Yeah. So just, a, you just got to find that driving thing that drives you to, to want to do something, and then you're just going to roll it. You just can't be afraid. You just go with it. And so for people listening right now, maybe they're thinking about, we need to really get some CPR training at our office, or you know, I've got a, a child who's a babysitter, and, or I just want to learn for myself to protect my family. What is the course like uh, when people contact you, and what's the whole process like to start the training with you? Uh, first thing I want to bring across is there's no too little, too much. It's what, what you can what you can afford as far as time, what you can afford, you know, as money, as effort. I'll do as little as just here. I'll go 
like I did at one of our other uh, meetings we had, it was just some mannequins out, and it's like, this is this is what they mean by push hard and fast in the center of the trash. You have some infants. I have some infant mannequins. I said, these are the kind of things that you have to watch for as your, as your child is growing. So we could get more involved in an infant class. You want to get into something, into your, into your career. I want to become a nurse. I want to be a, a child care worker. I says, I'm going to get you more into those type of classes. I like to understand what the person is looking for when they call and then kind of get the class to them. That's why I have such a wide range of types of classes I do, three different brands, plus I do the pet CPR. So whatever it is that you're interested in, I said, I'm going to cure it towards that. You know, sitting here in the ambulance and you're talking about all the things that you offer, we are surrounded by a lot of equipment. And one of them is the dog, which is um, one of our, You, I know that you taught down at River Sticks, our friends down there. Um, can you talk a little bit about pet CPR? That's not something I had heard of before I met you a few months ago. No, pet CPR is really big. Um, it's one of the biggest, actually, industries you know, in this country. Uh, is, is protecting our animals and people spend a lot of money and a lot of time. Uh, so if you're going to put all this investment into your, your, your furry family members, I says put that little bit, one last step and learn how to save them. Yeah. Um, they follow the same kind of the footprint that the, the AHA did with trying to make things simple and user friendly. So a lot of the pet stuff is we try to use similar aspects to people. So it's not a lot different than doing CPR or first aid on a person. You just have to learn that it's a little bit of a Safety differs. Like, typically, if I'm going to start CPR on a person, they don't wake up and bite me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we so, hope not. <laughs> um, so you do have to take that consideration that we want to save the dog. Right. That dog is going to be scared. So mm-hmm. a lot of the class is just being prepared and having safe positions. So when your dog wakes up, those little sharp teethies don't swing around you know, and, and grab you. I don't know if anybody's ever had an animal that has been injured. Is They do react different. They become mm-hmm. back to their basic instincts of, of self-preservation. So it doesn't matter how much they love you, you so you have to be fair. Even just bandaging a wound, you know, they could be holding their paw, looking nice and innocent, but as soon as you touch that, you know, so that's a lot of what our class is, is just, you know, it's similar techniques, but how do you do it and be safe for both you and your pet? Mm-hmm. And what's the response been since you started offering those pet classes? People love the class. I mean, I, I have my dog that I usually bring around and I don't know if you've ever seen any pictures on Facebook, is that when strange people come up and once they start the class, they get to know her, she falls asleep while they're wrapping her and they check in yep. her paws and all this stuff and they go in her mouth and, you know, because you know, in your pet's mouth is one of the first clues to something's going wrong with your dog. A lot of people don't think about that. Is that's part of the class is just look at what your dog's normally is. So my dog lets people go in there and play around with teeth. Then they can go home and do that to their dog. We're going to step aside for a quick break here on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Why should your business be a member of the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce? It's actually quite simple. The Chamber is dedicated to protecting and promoting the local business community. Our primary goals? To advance the region, help business owners network and grow, and to advocate on behalf of the business community. Joining the Chamber makes good business sense. We invite you to join the nationally recognized North Central Massachusetts Chamber today. Call 978-353-7600 or visit northcentralmass.com. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deals. We are in the back of the ambulance today with Colebro First Aid and Safety Training. We're chatting with Rob Collette. He's the owner, EMT, and instructor, and the uh, proud owner of this amazing ambulance. And so you mentioned these pet classes, and I know we're taking some time to focus on this, but you did mention you offer a couple different services, including preventative for infants. Can you talk a little bit more about some of the other classes that you offer as well as part of your Colbro services? 
It's most popular is called Stop the Bleed. Mm-hmm. That's the one, you know, AHA kind of took that on as their, you know, the one that they kind of promote. Uh, but because I do three brands, I do Red Cross, Ashy, as far as AHA, they all have their different brands. So there's a separate thing with um, Stop Heavy Bleeding class, mm-hmm. and that can be done with a first aid class or by itself. Um, that really became big after the uh, Boston Marathon. Uh, people that follow that, uh, some of the stories, there was actually a person that lost a leg and somebody was able to put a belt around it just been probably heard this or seen something so this you know it's, it's another one of those little subway classes that hmm, if i'm at a high-risk place and unfortunately in today's world there's a lot of you know mass cash mass shootings um and knowing these basic skills could, could save someone in, in something like that Absolutely. And I know you also do basic safety, basic first aid, but you also sell AEDs. Is that correct as well? And you train on those? Yes. It's like, why not teach people how to use them and not sell? It just kind of seems like it goes hand in hand. Um, And then once I started selling, it's like, I I really realized that there is a wide range. The basic function is the same, but they're all geared towards wherever you're, you know, you're going to use them the most. I was on the back of Amazon, so I had this big fancy one and the pads were huge. But then I was like, oh, there's some that have a lot of visualizations, actually have pictures of people, how to put the AD on. So if you're in one of those places that have very little training, you can get an AD that actually talks to you, shows you what to do, and let you do it at the same time. Versus, you know, mine had a little EKG screen on it. Most people aren't going to know what that is. So you wouldn't want that. So there's so many different things. There's actually some AEDs, there's a handful of them out there, that actually will help you with your uh, your pressure, like push harder, push faster, um, all these different things. So there's so much you know, into that, just choosing the right AED, you know, it's kind of what. And so you can help folks figure out which AED is the best fit for them? Yeah. So when folks are thinking about whether or not they need an AED or is just chest compressions fine, is it one of those things where the two help each other, where they kind of work in unison? I don't want to take away from uh, compressions because compressions is probably going to save anyone who has a chance to survive. Mm-hmm. You have a, you know, a, a condition that can be fixed. Compressions are probably going to keep that people alive. AEDs are going to fix certain other people, but there are certain conditions that uh, make it even more, more useful. That's why you see with the youth sports, they always have, somebody has to have AED, somebody has to have training on it. So if you have a high activity uh, area where there's a chance to get injured, an AED is certainly going to be helpful with that. If you have, you know, elderly, elderly, obviously at a, at a higher risk. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, a lot of people don't buy them for their home. I mean, it would be nice. And the price is slowly, well, it was slowly coming down before <laughs> COVID, and now you just can't find them. Yeah. So every week is like, I don't know which one I'm going to get available this week. But hopefully things get back to normal. They start coming to price down, so more and more people will be able to afford them. It's great that you're able to help a business or a home or, um, you know, just uh, an organization make an evaluation as to what equipment they need and what training they need. And you come on site, is that correct? Yeah, and that's I'll the- come on site. I'll, I'll speak with them. And, you know, I'll say, you know, what is your, your, your knowledge level or your group's knowledge level to start with? You know, and then where do you want to be? Like, why, why are you calling me? I didn't grow up as a salesman. I don't <laughs> have the salesman task for six weeks. I have the, I want to help you, you know, personality. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully I run a business at the same time. But my goal is to help people. So I just ask a lot of questions. Some people aren't used to that. When they call me on the phone and they say, how much for a class? And it's just like, I said, what, what? kind of yeah. <laughs> what do you want to do? I mean, how much do you want to learn? And what do you already know? You know, sometimes people get a little puzzled by that. So it's not 
necessarily my great sales aspect, but that's that's who I am. I want to make sure I make the right connection so you get the right service, and then you get that, oh boy, this guy understood what I wanted, and then they're going to pass the word. And I know a lot of folks often think of just CPR classes, but as we mentioned, you do a lot of other first aid and safety classes as well. And you mentioned that story um, involving, you know, a belt being used as a tourniquet. So when you do teach your first aid and safety classes, do you also teach what people can use like in their immediate vicinity? Because not everybody is going to have an an ambulance (laughs) stocked full of supplies or a lot of folks, even though they should have a first aid kit at home or in their car, aren't going to have one there. Yeah. So so once you get a basic first aid class, um, then we can add on and do different things. There's several different programs that you can do for wilderness first aid, for example, it's just like, like a fun one. Um, I teach the Red Cross's version and it really isn't a huge curriculum. It's basically my job is to go find a place in the woods that has some raw materials, stage some scenes, and say, here, this is what you have. Uh-huh. What can you use? Find, you know, I make sure that there's like some sticks and stuff that they can grab and make sure that maybe I, I'll put a, a shirt, uh, like a long sleeve shirt that I can they can use to make bandages with. It just gives them an opportunity to just like, oh, if, if I'm an outdoors person, this is the kind of class that I want to take to just, this is what's really going to happen. I'm just going to say, oh, look, here's a person. He's got a broken leg. You're on a rail trail. Now what are you going to do? Before it actually happened. Right. I love that. That's very great experiential learning sort of and getting people out of their comfort zone and giving them someplace else other than their home to try and figure out what they have to uh, create a safe situation for the person who's injured. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yeah. The other thing I like to do is when I go to you know, somebody's offices, they're like, uh, uh, hey, it's time for my CPR class. Here we go. Um, <laughs> my first day class. Um, so it's like, I, sometimes I'll try to shorten it. So I go, you guys think you know everything. I'm like, okay. I walk around the office. I drop a mannequin down and say, oh, hey, we got a down person over here. Let them figure out what it is. You know, you know is he talking? Yeah, he's mumbling. Okay, so he doesn't need CPR. What else? You know? You know, and they check him and says, oh, he's a diabetic. Now what are you going to do? You know, so it depends on what your skill level is. So if you're in a, you know, a, a minute clinic or a dental office or, you know, something like that that has some basic medical things, you're just trying to do your, your, your routine training. Mm-hmm. It's just making it a little bit more fun. Yeah. You know, and then actually see. So if you're going to brag, says, I don't need this class. I take it all the time. It's like, okay, here's a mannequin. Show me what you know. Why do I need to give you a three-hour class if you can show me how you know how to do it? And what do you find is the biggest feedback when you, when you do those kind of scenarios? I think people like it a lot. Yeah. You get you know you get a lot of feedback, and then, then they start talking to each other, and you tend to lose track of time. At least I do. And that's kind of one of my my <laughs> fault because I start having fun with it too. Um, but it's, it's more enjoyable, and then it's like, all right, by the time I leave, they're like, all right, you can be able to do this again in, in two years when we're up. That's great. That's um, awesome. So um, let's talk about the big elephant we're sitting in. Rob, how did you acquire an ambulance? And I'm not going to lie, every month when you come to our Connect North Centrals and the ambulance pulls up and there's someone new here, we're always like, it's okay, it's just Rob. Well, I have a little insider information, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I was watching it uh, for a while because I, you know, I still live in town. I'm like, I can walk to the fire station. Uh, so I knew that they, you know, it would kind of fade away and then eventually it was parked outside the station. Um, but there's a process for for municipal um, equipment. They just can't sell it out to the public. So you know, I waited for it, and they had told me it was going to go to they're going to go to auction in the spring. And I don't think it went to auction to the fall. But I just kind of signed up for the uh, Nissabid. I think is the website where towns can put stuff up for for bid. And I just kind of watched it, you know. And I put it in one bid, and then I just kind of watch watch it. And then like at the last minute, I think one more. <laughs> 
It was a little easier for me because I kind of knew, knew the history during there was a couple year gap uh, where the fire department was, you know, just sitting in the yard. But it's like, I know what's in it. I know what's under the hood. I know what it's like. I know the maintenance plan. So I had a dollar value in my head. It's great that you're able to acquire it and, and, and be able to use this for training purposes. And, and what a great statement for coming up and saying, I do understand. I'm an EMT. And you're currently an EMT still. Yes, I still have my license. That's awesome. That is really amazing. I, I know that you have a website and we'd love for the audience to figure out how can people get in touch with you to reserve you to teach a class, to help with supplies, to come on site, maybe even do a pet training. Um, how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way? Well, in my Cobro first aid and safety training, it's easy. Just cobro.com. That's a landing page. I'll direct you everywhere you need to go. And that's C-O-L-B-R-O? Yes. Nice and that's short for Colette Brothers, if anybody knows me personal. Oh, there we go. That's what it stands for. Yeah, it was originally three businesses, three brothers. So this is the one that's most dear to my heart. This is the one I'm promoting, and this is what I want to do all full time. That's awesome. Rob, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for your service to our communities. Thank you for sharing your expertise in teaching classes, not only safe humans and our fellow pets, which are many of us are our furry family. And um, thank you just for being here and, and bringing the ambulance by today. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. And we'll be back for another episode of the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast next week. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.